When the credits start rolling, but the movie keeps haunting you. Before, after. Then it's time to tune in to Dismembering Horror. We'll talk about what worked and also what didn't. We'll dissect every aspect. Maybe someone we shouldn't. He turned out to be a completely unreliable asshole. Take it away, boys. Hello, Tim. Hello, Ryan. And hello, everyone listening. Welcome to episode 178 of Dismembering Horror, where today we're going to talk about the 2022 film Fresh. It's a fresh mm. film. Yum. Yum, 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 <laughs> yum. Is that what you were thinking when watching this, Tim? Mm-hmm. <laughs> boy, oh boy, was I. Cool. All right. Well, I don't think I have any, uh, what, what is it called? Housekeeping, past business, to anything, anything to address here. Do you have anything, Tim? I mean, I think your shirt is pretty sweet. All the more reason we just got to get in on the video podcasting game here, Tim. That's right. <laughs> so we're really putting on our face. I got my vibe room rocking right now. I could turn on some twirling colorful lights. Yeah, Tim's vibe room, I can explain it for you. I'm looking at he has a starlight. It's got a purple blue haze, my favorite color combination. It's all looking good. Mm. All right, then. Well, then I think we can just jump into it. And we like to do just that with a trailer to set the mood. All right. Are you ready, Tim? I'm always ready. Great. All right. As I said, from 2022, directed by Mimi Cave, written by Lauren Kahn, starring Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan the Man, fresh. The women in our parents' generation, they just... They were more into femininity. You know what I mean? Because mm. I think you would just look great in a dress. You but I mean, okay? if you were... Pretty much done, actually. Thank you. If it's cool, I'm just going to snag these leftovers. I don't know how you do it, Molly. Do what? Dating people. No, no. You do not need a man, okay? So don't play the games. Just be you, straight out the gate. Do you live around here? Because I, I live on aisle six. That was terrible. It was kind of terrible. What's his Instagram? I want to stalk a little bit. Just have one. Say what? Yeah. Oh, no. See, that's, that's shady. Let's play a game. Tell me something you don't want me to know. I hate this. Okay. <laughs> we all our hopes of finding happiness through someone else. Yeah. Girl, you are all digmatized and I haven't even seen this dude. What's going on? I'm going to tell you, but you're going to freak out. No, this isn't happening. Yeah, it's happening. No games. Know what you wanted? It's about giving. And with that, we like to transition into our ratings per our rating system. So very much in the spirit of the show, meaning this is just our own subjective opinions. What would <laughs> you tell yourself, Tim, as far as uh, in regards to this film? Would you tell yourself to avoid, stream, rent, or buy fresh? Had you not ever seen it before? I... um. I really like this movie like a lot, a lot. So I would buy it. 
I hope uh, Hulu gets into the physical media game for you. Yeah, it's gotta <laughs> it's gotta exist at some point, right? Uh, yeah. Actually, I don't know. I don't know with what Hulu's track record is with their sort of produced films. Well, it's Fox Searchlight, right? Mm, right. Which is now owned by Disney. So I presume they, I mean, they obviously have the capability. So maybe it'll come through that kind of realm, you know, like Fox Searchlight will put out a DVD. Yeah. Or Blu-ray or whatever. Cool. Can you give us sort of in brief summary why you'd tell yourself that? Um, I think, you know, overall it's it's operating on some core elements that I just really almost always seem to enjoy, which is kind of this, uh, it's not specifically a two-hander, but it's essentially a two-hander, right? It's like two people getting into it in an isolated scenario. And, you know, it's a, I don't know if you would call it cat and mouse so much like, um, what was the one we just watched? I saw the devil. But it kind of has that vibe, right? It's just two people having to go at it. And I there's something really pleasing to me about the simplicity of stories like that. Um, and it doesn't have to just be two people, but, you know, isolated uh, location. Somebody needs to solve a problem. It seems pretty dire. Like, those are just really basic things that I love. And it's, you know, it's a escape the monster kind of thing. So I love the, that stuff. Great. Cool. Should I tell you what I thought of it? I would love to hear it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny. I'm kind of, I don't know, our rating system is an interesting one. Because I think, like, kind of for what I'm used to, I definitely was really into it like where I want to put it up there with rent it's for sure. Yet at the same time when watching it, I'm like, this should, this should be where stream it's are at, you know, like this is a great, like this is when we see advertising on bus posters for a new Hulu film, you know, it should have this standard of quality. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised just sort of with my own weird expectations. I always have going in with like cannibal horror movies where it's the kind of thing that's made me resist watching the, uh, it's like the Drew Barrymore cannibal Netflix show. Oh my God. I forgot about that. So it's just yeah. some, something about that marketing. It's just, I only just hear in my head, this voice going, but it's people, but they're eating people. And I just, <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I yeah, I get it. But uh, no, this does so much with it. That was just, I can't deny how satisfying it was. Um, and I was really into it. So yes, how about just, I don't know, even though I feel like there's a part of me that's like, it's this is what streaming should mean and be just in reference to some uh, recent reviews. I'll put it as a rent it because Fair it was that good. Yeah. All right. Well, then to further get into our dissection and dismemberment here, Tim, since you uh, thought so highly of it, we would especially love it if you could give us a summary, help us get us all on the same page here. Okay. Well, so we have um, our, our main character, Noah, 
who is in the throes of modern day dating and the um, pitfalls of that. And we see all of this through her perspective of how, and like, you know, I can relate to this, but from a woman's perspective, how just God awful (laughs) dating and online dating in particular has become, or it always was. And, um, you know, her desperation to actually find like a genuine connection kind of leads her inadvertently, or I guess leads her to become a prime target for Sebastian Stan, who's playing Steve. And Steve picks her up and it seems all kind of whirlwindy, you know, and not without its red flags, but she chooses to ignore them. And that was a mistake. (laughs) Because turns out Steve's not really Steve. He's Brandon. And Brandon is a psychotic, I mean, I guess killer, ultimately. He is a person who captures women and harvests meat from them. But the fresher the meat, the better, because he makes a lot of money off of it. Tim, I got to feel like we just got to stop there to mention if you're with us our last episode, you just described exactly what that film was. I saw the devil. Like what a double screening by chance we've had here. Anyways, (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So the, the key element to his methodology is that if he keeps you alive longer, the meat is fresher and and earns a higher price for him. So holding somebody or multiple women captive while he keeps them alive at the same time as removing tasty morsels from their body. So you could lose a leg, stay alive. I mean, I I imagine that the end game is sort of you harvest everything you can whilst keeping somebody alive. You'd end up with like a blind, tongueless head and torso, and that's about it. Like, I think you could probably keep somebody alive at that at that point, still theoretically. And they, you know, and then and then what else is there to harvest? He, you know, he does that. So she has to figure out how to um, navigate that. <laughs> <laughs> navigate that. <laughs> Um, and it's exciting and, and dark and, uh, you know, but she, she figures it out. It's a, it's a romp, man. This is a, we should have done this with the rom, rom crime, uh, women. Yeah. Shout out to, um, another member of our podcast connected network family. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) It would have been fun to hear. Cause there are some clear nods to serial killers like specific serial killers throughout in particular ted bundy and the sort of the look of sebastian stan yeah absolutely Um, but yeah it it, there you go that's it it's it's a romp her friend molly you know is this is the sort of she's on to this as a as a problematic relationship because of all the little red flags and then she ends up coming and helping out so it's a great time. <laughs> great time over at Tim's house. Just like 
<laughs> yeah, everything my, you love. My girlfriend Britt was like, "Man, I put a lot of trust in you, didn't I?" <laughs> <laughs> Meaning that like we met online. <clears throat> yes. And like she lived in Milwaukee and she after we had been talking for a while was like, "Would you consider coming to Milwaukee?" <laughs> Like she met me by herself. So you definitely, you know, maybe not the 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 most advisable way to go about things. I think we had established a good enough rapport, but you never know. You never know. Steve could become a Brandon real fast. But at least you had social medias to stock. <laughs> That's true. Fewer red flags, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. So I'd love to hear more about uh, what you loved about it, Tim. Are you ready for that in our next big section? Oh, man, I'm so ready. Here we go. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked for you? Right off the bat, you've got the lens uh literally <laughs> through the lens of of multiple women and what i mean by that is not just from a story point of view but from a filmmaking point of view uh, our director and writer are women and they um they're set in quite the scene and i just right away the the opening scene is so incredibly spot on of the experience of women currently that I like the the broader you know collective experience of dating of women that I've spoken with part of why I even say that is because I spent a a bit of time asking women how that experience was for my own film that I've just finished sort of filming and because all these very similar themes and like everybody says well Almost everybody says essentially the same thing. And this opening scene just captures all of that so goddamn perfectly. It's an, it's amazing. This Ch- his literally his character's name is Chad on a on an online date, this Chad. And like everything he says is just such the gross, like borderline incel misogynistic just like objectification of women he tells her that she'd look a lot better if she wore clothes that were like form-fitting instead of baggy sweaters and that it's like it's like part of the the uh i don't remember how he puts it but the uh breaking down of femininity in our world and how that's the root of problems it's like shut up he's the worst and then he like he does the splitting the check thing, which he had reminded her of, like to to bring money so that they could split the check, which I have my own opinions on check splitting and whatever. But like there's a there's a tactful way to approach that. And he does not do it in that way. Um, What else? He's dressed like just a dork, like a tool who cares really what people wear, but it speaks to the character that he's got this this sort of like big flowy scarf thing going on. And he's just careless and clunky. And, you know, in other circumstances that could be endearing, but he just, he's such a gross dude all around. 
Um, and of course, the <laughs> the the date ends with her saying, you know, nice to meet you, but I don't think it's a match. And he does a thing that is, it's just so remarkably common and frankly hard to wrap my head around that this is the way human beings respond. But it is, if, if not the norm, extraordinarily common that when men get a rejection – they immediately immediately flip to this attitude of, well, you're not that great anyway. Fuck you. You're a bitch. You're stuck up. All of these things. It's like, what are we doing, guys? Like, really, get your shit together and stop being so goddamn fragile. Anyway, so that was an editorializing of uh, my opinion on that. <laughs> um, anyway, my point is that the scene is just perfectly encapsulating this thing this experience that and not just women but like you know a lot of a lot of people are experiencing in particular marginalized or disenfranchised or um people who identify in a less patriarchal misogynistic uh realm um they they identify on the other side of of those things. They tend to be the target of those things. Anyway, yeah. No, my I, whole point is it's a great setup. Yeah, I agree. It's just so nice and refreshing to just <laughs> immediately <laughs> be in the hands of uh, the women gaze for once or whatever you want to call it, and just that perspective where I'm like not just empathizing with her in a story sense but on some like deeper experiential sense that i think can only happen when it's written directed by women uh i can't help but tim also have my very like male perspective on the situation which is mm. just fun and is what i can offer here uh by default um so not only was it just so great to like feel that frustration that you're talking about like you've heard these real life stories that this is what it's like for women dating but man i was just like so frustrated watching it being like you got a date with this woman dude and like this is what you're <laughs> doing it like yeah. was giving me hope you know, but then making me mad, like if I could just get a match with her, you know, like that's where yeah. I'm at. <laughs> well, it's one of those things, right? Because like, obviously there are men in the world who don't suck, um, but it becomes very hard to navigate when the norm is this kind of nonsense. And so like, I mean, this movie is 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 a perfect example of this, right? Like, what? <laughs> Imagine all of the pitfalls of of dating from a woman's perspective. That even when you meet somebody who actually seems to be legit and chill and like kind and interested and all of the things that you're actually looking for, even that person can be deceitful. Right. So for the for the whatever fraction of of the pop male population that actually is just pleasant and and nice and caring, they they are 
subject to that same scrutiny because they have to be because women can't like there's too many douchebags out there for for women to to take everything at face value or anything at face value yeah well talking about taking things at face value and to kind of like push us along chronologically here but stay on those themes and ideas next you know we get where she meets mr charming our right. <laughs> our Sebastian Stan as uh, Steve slash what was his fake name or Brandon. real name Brandon, where I thought again just by the way done, the name choices are are friggin' yeah. perfect, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, again just so well done of feeling like where I'm in the hands where by default you you just aren't in one of those situations where you're mad at her for like going along with him too much you don't like lose her like she's being like an idiot or something who you know you're like or don't you know you're in a horror movie or whatever like just how it was written performed everything everything across the board it was just like a realistic sympathetic portrayal of someone who's is like fine on her own but like you know kind of is already maybe embracing the aspect her friend says of like, oh, you don't need a man. But like at the same time, like she wants to date. She wants all that comes with that. We want Um, connection. That's a normal thing to want. So we get where she's coming from. We're kind of charmed by this guy as well. We talk up on her. I don't think this is said in the film, but I mean, I'm just projecting, but it's like we talk about so much just the ills of social media and so many of us are like threatening to get off of it these days and do (laughs) and yada yada. So, you know, it's maybe kind of a red flag, kind of not in a way, could be a green flag he's off of it. But just all that was done in such a way where, yeah, I felt like seduced and caught up with her versus any kind of like frustration that he was that she was going along with him. Let's just say that if, from a writing uh, lesson, this is the this is like the best example of creating a sympathetic sympathetic character in the opening scene, so that when she steps into more treacherous territory, we're on board with her immediately. Like having the scene with Chad makes us immediately like her and sympathize with her and sympathize with her her like headspace so that when she is faced with these red flags we completely understand why she would ignore them it's so it's so well constructed it helps the audience along in the most like perfect way without being hitting you over the head with it so you know, we won't we won't put a pin on it. I want to keep coming back to these these themes on modern online dating that are throughout the whole film. But we also have now this other whole aspect of eating people, right? Uh, so dude. clear, <laughs> so good. Clear ways the themes can kind of connect are the sort of the gender norms of you know men in control, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I'm kind of curious to hear from you, like how were how did we transition to how did it kind of incorporate both of those themes for you to kind of like incorporate the whole eating people side of it now well i think that the the way that the filmmakers lead us in is to constantly um showcase 
food and eating and mouths and like the even the song selections are all having to do with food or eating or hunger or you know sort of the metaphor of hunger and so we're being we're we're kind of being coached into it in a way like we're led toward this just generalized undertone of what is food and why and and like you know why do we consume not why exactly but that we are consumers of food and so it's just it's just a good way to kind of keep us on track of that's where we're heading so like every character i think we meet before we get the reveal of what's actually you know where we're actually going we see everybody's mouth in like close up in some form or another and almost all of them eating something at at least once and so it's just sort of you know i think it's just a a smart way to keep us on track of like this is where we're going this is the theme this is you know important to kind of capture visually so that when when we do get to the actual th- you know, the reality of that this is is it's cannibalism we're all kind of primed for that um so what was your question <laughs> that was all to say something i mean i was just wondering how if we you know started off talking about whatever themes that modern dating brings up and sort of the oh, setup oh, oh. brings up, like how does it then, how does that more or less tie to the cannibalism theme? Well, and I think, I think it's, it's in the title, right? It's fresh, right? We think when we <laughs> so, so often in, in our culture, we objectify women as, you know, we, we turn them into objects and, it, we've had this conversation a few times. It's it's correlative to the same ideas of how we uh, we we dissociate the uh, the the being aspect, the the actual like sentient being aspect of animals that we eat, and we kind of do the same thing with women in a sexualized objectification way, right? Like we're, we're almost removing the, this is a person. This is like a living, breathing human being that has thoughts and like a life and reducing them down to an object to be consumed. And you can apply that sexually consumed, uh, visually consumed, and in this case, we're just taking it one step further, actually consumed. And that the idea of that, well, that object now is the the pinnacle of consumption from a taste and like, you know, food point of view is furthering that objectification theme. Right. So and I think that's brilliant to me. So it's that objectification it sounds like you're getting at that happens naturally with online dating and it's kind of like a two-way street it feels like like where you're reducing yourself making your own profile 
to like, you know, something that's, um, you know, all the words you were just using that isn't a full scope of yourself that allows totally. you to be objectified. And then, uh, and then just that own feel that happens then on the other end when you're just swiping through people going off yep. of first looks or whatever. Yeah, yeah you're packaging. Everybody's packaging themselves yeah. in this realm. That's why I've always felt, I mean, ironically, I am with somebody who I met online, but like I always disliked the construct of online dating for this reason because you're really not, you're, you're, you're jumping over a bunch of really important components of getting to know somebody or even like the first moments of attraction a lot of the time should or have been in the past based on how we how we exist in space and our perception of that with another person like it's very different I mean it's why we you know during the pandemic I think a lot of people had a really hard time with online uh you know zoom or or facetime style interaction because we're we're losing some really important elements you don't get to feel the person in the room like that actually does have an effect on us um probably on a molecular basis and you also don't get to experience them in in sort of a behavioral way in the same way and that's really important just as humans like we respond to that um uh primally yeah i think there's an authenticity there you know that once we if we can capture that or bottle that that's like you know where where the money's at so to speak that's what everyone's seeking these days uh, what everyone's seeking in a way and i mean where i'm kind of pushing it in that direction i wanted to bring up just a few ways that i was breaking down the theme here you know that the movie was presenting and well, first I'll just say, I love, love, love this kind of story. Like I'll defend the hostile movies to death because of just <laughs> this great story, rich people who have just gone down the hole of searching for bigger and bigger extremes who are now at the level of exploiting other people through violence and bodily dismemberment and eating them in this case, same exact deal with I saw the devil. That's what it was about. So good. But what I was kind of just saying as far as um, and what you kind of been talking about in, in the dating terms too, the objectification yet still craving some kind of connection and authenticity. I loved the touch in this movie of just all the details of how their meat is being packaged um, and just every all the context surrounding that, the fact that it is just women. They go for way, way more money, Tem you know, tends to be younger women. And then it comes with like a picture of them, a lock of their hair. It's like the, you know, the, 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 the support a child, you know, thing like, or whatever, oh like God, yeah. sponsoring an animal or whatever, something like that. I loved it too. Like, uh, when he explains, when she's asking all about it, that if they're still alive, the meat goes for way more, not just in a preservation taste sense, but in a like, as if they're forming some kind of intimate connection mm. with the still living person by eating their leg. Which he clearly does, right? Because his own wife is a former victim. Yeah, right? Oh, that was that was a great touch. Yeah. Yeah, I, this, all that. I feel like that was something I always wanted from this kind of movie. Like, it was great, and I saw The Devil. It's sort of a different version of it where it's just about, like, 
reducing the the women meat to pure just like shoving your face full you know of just this like raw uncooked you know <laughs> red goop almost but here just to see it through the lens of it's a fine dining it's about it's pl- pleasure yeah it's a yeah. delicacy so all that was great and then um and then what i wanted to say too just on the theme this may be i mean you tell me maybe this is a more tenuous connection I'm trying to make here, but I am really trying to like draw the connections between where they exist between the dating world, the online dating world and cannibalism and kind of like what you were just saying, you know, the disconnect from maybe what we're eating when we're eating it, if it's animal product or whatever. Yeah. Like kind of that leap of faith, maybe one has to make when, you know, that's all about the, when, when, when giving over your trust to someone when you don't know them, you're almost ignoring uh, maybe or maybe not existing other side to them, you know, which is very much, you know, she's, <laughs> there's this whole hidden side to him. And I don't know, just that disconnect between like th- our vision that always exists at any given time in who we're dating, which isn't the real them, uh, Maybe again, this is where the tenuous connection is, but I saw one between like, that's what it is when, you know, we're eating spaghettis uh, with meatballs on top of it between like the whole process of what those meatballs are or (laughs) where they came from. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Is that there at all for you? Is that tenuous? Yeah, I think I think you can extrapolate that. Okay. Sure. Okay. Well, you know, we, we, I think really what you're saying is we compartmentalize our realities, right? Like we put certain things into view and we decide to be okay with them. But in doing so, a lot of the time, that means we have to put some other related things out of view. Just, and that's just, how our brains work right like we're doing it all the time yeah you know, if we if we like let all of the information around us all the stimulus around us in we we would see no- and hear nothing it would just be chaos so like yep it's kind of just part of the system but but we're doing it in an intellectual way right but when that chaos of you know not being or maybe a sort of our own control mechanism not being too overwhelmed at the reality of reality at any given time. You know, <laughs> there are some things in this that I loved from the perspective of someone who doesn't eat meat that were just so satisfying of, yeah, like I said, the meatballs on spaghetti, like that scene where he serves it to her and you get like what would normally be in like a restaurant for an Ita- or an ad for an re- Italian restaurant. These beauty shots of the sensuous yeah. tender meat with the Parmesan shreds in close up milting on it. Yep. I mean, it <laughs> looks no different from no. cow meat or animal meat, whatever it may be. But in this context, of course, that context is there. It's human meat and it just offers that completely different lens that like... For me, it's satisfying. Like I get, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I have difficulty with like, you know. There's all the extreme footage what that exists, and one can look at of how meat is made, right? And 
I like totally get and sympathize with some of like where protesters, whatever you call them, you know, out there with Mita's murder posters showing the footage. There is a catharsis for me because it's like, but this is like, this is the truth. Like, you know, you should just, just like know this. That's all, that's all anybody wants. Right. But at the same time, that should be on one's own, you know, like boundary level or whatever to know that but i can't deny there is this frustration when it's just like yeah that's fine like eat what you want but just like like know the real like this is the situation like just be (laughs) be aware and know that this is what it looks like don't be in denial that's all you know Mm -hmm. you just want your your fellow people around and friends it's not to be in kind of some kind of active uh, denial. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that aside from just to just for a movie to so well uh, do that basically yeah. by like allowing us to show something that um, by showing something that normally or in a lot of contexts is shown as wonderful, decadent, delicious, just having the uh, the touch of it not being an animal for once. That, I mean, I think that's why I like this movie so much is because it really is taking it's forcing us, which is what I think one of the main reasons I love horror is that it's a genre in which you are often forced to look at things that we as a society have been told to look to not look at to like put blinders on around. And this is saying, hey, 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 like grabbing your chin and, and like, <laughs> you know, pulling you back around to see, say, actually, no, you, you need to look at this. Like, seriously, look at it for real. Because, like, if you can make the leap that to ignore where the meatball came from, uh, why can't you make that same leap? If it's coming from a plant-based source, still just a meatball, make the same leap in the other direction. Or a human-based source, which is what these exactly, <laughs> people exactly. are doing. Yeah. Exactly my point, right? So come on, guys. Anyway, I mean, I say this and I still eat meat. So it's like I'm having that, I you know, I grapple with that all the time. Um, so, but I'm not not aware of it anymore. I'm not, you know, ignoring it anymore. And I think that's at least a step. <laughs> it's a step. I don't know which which step it is, but I'm in there. Yeah. So one one thing you said that really, you know, seemed meaningful to me too is in this reference to sort of the theme, like the hostile style theme of of the the ultra rich exploiting these these or fetishizing these things mm. for for the sake of decadence and or the sake of seeking out something that is uh taboo or or considered unattainable or or whatever and as you described it i immediately was just like yeah they do that anyway right like that's that's the world so this is just this is just furthering the the, the reality of how very wealthy people in our world essentially are just exploiting everybody all the time, right? Anybody who's not them. <laughs> right. It's, um. I think one reason I love these kinds of stories so much is that I just absolutely 100% buy them. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> like sure. it doesn't seem at all out of the realm. I mean, stuff does like, you know, maybe not, not maybe not with the sort of, uh, um, uh, the dressing ups that, you know, the hostile movies in this movie has, but I totally, I'm, I'd be more surprised if there weren't people out there paying for human meat, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I think that as two non rich people, <laughs> you and I, it's it's easy for us to imagine this this other world that that is out there or could be out there. I got to reference Society, The Society, right? another film yeah. I really loved we covered. Yeah. And maybe maybe that's not reality. We don't know. But what is titillating about it is the idea that people who as a rule exploit the masses are are at least metaphorically doing some really like crazy gnarly stuff. Like we we can relate to that concept because we are on the receiving end of the exploitation. It's it's Schadenfreude, right? In a way. Well, I think we can relate to it on to, to I guess this is on sympathizing with the rich people in a way. So that's uh offensive excuse me but um <laughs> i think on a human level this movie did a really good job where like you felt where dude sebastian stan steve brandon brandon was coming from when he describes uh you know it's not to sound like i would actually do it i would never do this of course but it just seemed like it was akin to like trying heroin or something you know where he talks mm-hmm. about there's that first time you do it and then you know from that moment on there's just nothing else like it so just on a very human level this this idea of like an insatiable urge which can only be satiated by this one thing that for me is a very human thing on just like because then you just apply that across the board to wherever it is in your own life of that high that you reach that you're always chasing whatever your addiction may be yada yada well yeah i mean you can say sure like just call it the your your demons or whatever but what what my takeaway of that or what what is interesting to me about that is that metaphorically speaking it's an excuse in a way it's like we we and we see this excuse all the time of like oh i could i couldn't resist i couldn't you know like she you know she, her skirt was just so short and she was she was enticing me so much i just couldn't hold myself back like shut up yet yeah, you know what i mean like this excuse has been out there forever uh and and you know we could we could <laughs> argue the measurement of compulsion i guess and say oh sure there's a tipping point where compulsion actually is overtaking reason i guess you could make that argument um but by and large it's used that language is used in misogynistic realms as an excuse yeah and I think that in in this film, it's it's my takeaway was that 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 is the that's the vibe or the theme that I was responding to in those moments. 
where it's like you're just saying, oh yeah, well I couldn't, you know, once you tell, once you, once you, whatever, go, go meet, go lady meet, you, you, you know, everything <laughs> changes. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting too. I mean, maybe this is just uh, hopefully not retreating ground, but um, how there's a differentiation between the meat preparer and like the guy who's doing the act of capturing the women and, you know, torturing them in essence, even though he would never look at it that way. And then the rich men, the dudes who are then Mm. paying for it, where, or even that differentiation between once, um, when Steve, uh, prepares it as a full meal, like you think about it as, um, yeah, it's, it's, again, it's just that process between <laughs> where it originates and what the end result is. Is it a tasty looking meatball with Parmesan with like just the right amount of garnish, you know, or is it, <laughs> which is it the act of capturing a woman and, you know, chopping off her leg? It's just, it's just literally putting it out on a plate for someone to not even have to worry about all that, yeah. you know, it turns it into just the presentation. Just like why, I don't know, for me, it came down to, in kind of transitioning into not eating meat, like it was so, I just got so in touch with the side of me that just like, cause I don't live on a desert Island, but I just, in today's day and age, could I, would I kill an animal myself? Like, could I bring myself to even like th- slit the throat of a chicken to gut a fish even like, no, I wouldn't just, I don't want to, I don't picture myself doing that. You know, I don't have that urge. I would feel bad doing it me in person. So that to me doesn't make it like, oh, if I all of a sudden have a go between, doesn't make me uh, actually feel better about it. There was a cognitive Mm -hmm. dissonance for me. So I don't know if I'm going in circles here or I just went off on a different thread, but um, that. Well, what it brings (laughs) up to me is, is, is the, the portrayal of this dude and the revelry that he takes in the preparation. So, you know, we, and, and I, I, you know, relating it back to dating too, you hear this often and that one of the more attractive qualities in a person, especially in a romantic partner is passion and revelry and, and, how good they are at something, how much they, how much time and effort they put into a skill or into uh, whatever pursuit they have. And so it really is creating this, this pretty, pretty like hard to grapple with dichotomy, especially with casting Sebastian Stan, who, who is widely sort of just sort of endeared, to buy people like we like people just seem to really like him and and I he's charming he's great you know like he has all these qualities and to couple that with this the horror of what he's actually doing and what he's actually passionate about is such a fun interesting thing to have to like come to terms with right like we're horrified by it but we see him dancing around and like he's He's Tom Cruise in Risky Businessing, you know what I mean? And we're like, oh, well, we love that. We love that movie. We yeah. love the revelry in that. So it's just great that, that like, forcing us to have to look at those two things 
in conjunction with each other is awesome. Right. Kind of how their relationship, if you call it that, their courting all plays out really had me thinking about the idea of constructs and how even if something is just baseline broken or wrong about like one of these constructs in society that we all agree to kind of operate under it doesn't make it doesn't make how do i put this it doesn't make things within it like all okay just if if that thing is broken like okay okay maybe i can explain like the As if, you know, there, he, we, we get the idea that he does and by genuinely like her, right? That, you know, there maybe was some kind of real chemistry for them. But what the hell does that matter when the construct he's in is that he's still literally capturing her to kill her <laughs> right. off and sell her into meat? Um, yeah. And then same, same than that that idea of constructs and existing under them can also be applied to just meat eating and our relationships with food and all that. But yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, you know, it's a depiction of a thing that we've, this is why I've said this before. I'm fascinated by true crime stuff and serial killers in particular is because they are human beings and they, they exist there's a reason that they do or are doing or have done what they have, the horrible, horrible things. There's there's a reason for it. It's not just this, oh, they're evil and evil is going to do evil and and it's binary. There's good and evil. There's there's causation, right? Like they they were their brains developed in a certain way genetically environmentally combination of all those things trauma uh physical trauma emotional trauma whatever like led them uh and no not that was that was an accidental but led itself like the 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 uh the element led um there's a correlation of of high levels of lead in high concentration areas of of serial killers in the 70s right like so there's all these things these things that led this person the serial killer to potentially behave the way they did and we can extrapolate those things and potentially say oh this is why now doing that does not apologize for anything but we can actually that's my point is why I'm fascinated by it and a movie like this is really doing that as well. It's it's pulling the sort of onion apart and being like, here's who this guy is. Here's why he does what he does. Here's how he operates. And putting that in the context of the dating world and having, you know, our heroine have to sort of be faced with all of that and navigate it and try to survive it is a complex and incredibly interesting world to live in for an hour and a half yeah and i I just i love all of those components and the way that this the filmmakers depict all those things thematically symbolically visually and like ironically a lot of the time is just so incredibly well done we haven't even like 
talked about the filming of the movie. Yeah. Well, real quick, and then maybe we can, uh, yeah, move on for this more thematic abstract stuff. But everything you just said there gave me a little bit more to chew on as far as what I meant with the idea of <laughs> of um const- you did it again of constructs, right? Because how you're explaining it there, uh, the way you set it up, I don't know if you necessarily meant it this way, but it's about it kind of paints a vision as, you know, people are constantly like choosing to do the wrong thing almost or because something happened to them and then they're choosing to do. But I see it more. It's like, again, it's this, this broken construct. And then it's a, a matter of, do you become aware of that or not? And then it's a more matter of like, mm. can you break that? Because like you can get like even those people who, maybe tried that first bite of meat. I mean, she eats it, you know, it's in the context of using, of escaping, but I don't know, on some level, I feel like you can, I don't think I would do it. No, I wouldn't do it. But like, you know, to trying meat in some kind of context like that, you you know, on, on most movies and stories, we can continue to sympathize with a person if we're with them when they did the wrong deed for the first time. And then it's about them trying to escape that and never do it again. Right. So I see that applied to like the horrible dude she has the date with at the beginning. It's like, as if he's representative of this like construct as if the way he's acting where you call a woman a bitch or whatever, you know, like that when she's walking away, as if that's the norm or the given somehow, Mm. you know, in his, in his world, which I guess is uh, this being depicted as is still largely the world. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, there's, there's a reason we've been talking about this, thematic abstract stuff for an hour you know what i mean (laughs) it's because the movie is is it just so packed full of it but and how does the filmmaking in a practical sense support (laughs) everything we've just been talking about okay so here's some here's some things that work for me from a filmmaking point of view visual point of view there's an incredible use of lens differentiation to get us in the uh in the sort of experiential realm with the characters so for example probably the most stark example is when noah has actually gotten to his house out in the woods and he gives her a drink the they increasingly on the the takes of her widen the lens and distort her face and put the the camera closer and closer to her face as she starts to come under the effects of the drug and and under the effects of the realization that something is wrong like she's in trouble and they do the opposite with him his lens starts to become more of a long lens he gets further and further kind of away um and they actually use, I think they're using a, um, oh damn, what's it called? A uh, tilt shift effect on him too. So it creates this like weird halo around him. And they, you know, they they pull out of focus a lot of things in this movie at like very specific points, which I think has this 
almost dreamlike effect at, at various times. It's like, it's just really, really specific and like, well, it's, it's, it's using those tools in a, in a really like broad way. It, it, a lot of films I feel like pick two or three kind of visual rules for their look of the film and they stick within that. This one feels like it's using like 50 different things throughout. And, you know, that can backfire, I suppose. But I think it's just in in such good hands with these filmmakers that it doesn't. And it really actually like enhances the point of the of whatever image they're trying to, to show us. And I don't know, I, I found it refreshing you see what I did there? Yeah, isn't? But didn't I just say that? I know. Yeah, but I'm just doing it again because you know why not? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I found it so refreshing because I feel like we're in the hands of filmmakers that that are not falling prey to this idea of like the rules are the rules, and you 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 have to you have to film things this way because that's how it's been done. Yeah, it's not the rules are the rules, it's the tools are the tools. Yeah, and and I, I really just enjoy that. This, I think the set design and the production design and the costume design in this film are amazing, visually amazing. Like the the house that they end up in is so both eerie, cold, and uh nostalgically warm at the same time for me. It reminded me of the rich Canadian equivalent of the human centipede house. Oh, I never saw okay. that. And I, <laughs> I kind of don't want to. Um but okay. Cool. You know, so there's there's just such specific choices being made that like enhance everything about the movie. Like the color palette is so cool and like it reminded me too of like the a movie I watched recently, which I don't remember if you've seen, but Sensor is just their use of like the this there I don't know, right now it feels like there's there's a movement toward or maybe I'm just exposing myself to more of these movies, but this use of color theory and really honing in on those things is is becoming more and more exciting to me I guess. It's not like it's not like other films aren't doing it, but this particular realm of horror I guess is doing it right now. And yep. I just find it really exciting. And there's this modality, right? Like there's this sort of almost 70s 80s kind of vibe that's going on but in a modern filmmaking construct and I just I love it. This film really reminded me of or a film that we've watched that I think would be a good touchstone for this film and would make a great double screening with it was uh, Piercing. You remember that one? Yes. I, I kept thinking of that, actually. Right? Right. Um, yeah, stylized sense, themes, all that. So, um, yes, I can continue one of the thoughts you're making on the style just to sort of feed it into now, like, moments that I thought were handled particularly well or got my attention, got me to sit up in my seat. There was the, which is now like a trope in horror movies, but it's one of those 
where I say that with zero negative connotation because it's just so like, it's always going to be great. It always works. It's always so realistic and always makes sense for the context, which is the drugging or knocking out of who then becomes the victim by someone else. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how many times you've seen it. Yeah, it happens enough that it is a trope, but it's just, it is what you would do in so many situations, like chloroform knocking someone over the head, uh, drugs like that, they exist. So there's no reason yeah. it wouldn't be used. Um, but how this, but then it's always fun to see how they maybe handle it a little, little differently or whatever, you know, at the context of it, that it is something that's done all the time. I loved the pacing of this one where it did start out with, like you pointed out, this kind of interesting, uh, yeah, I forget what the effect's called, that semi-out-of-focus kind of light-refracting effect mm-hmm. that does capture a kind of real drugged feel in a way. But it just happened where it felt perfectly stretched out where like we were really with her as the effects yeah. of the drug were settling in and just coming to the realization that something was wrong, which then just made it so when we get our opening title 30 minutes in and the music <laughs> hits, it's just like a great here we go moment, you know, where not only have we been milked from this great first 30 minutes of like the seduction of the romance or, you know, being on board with a movie, even if it didn't even go south like this, you know, they say that's the hallmark of a good film. As if you're into it before the movie element happens to it, whatever the fantastical right. element is. Um, but then, yeah, to then have this great uh, poisoning or whatever you call it, drug scene, just like ugh, it's so perfectly timed and hadn't seen one quite like that before. The amount of time that the camera holds on on Steve once she has hit the floor and is clearly out where he just casually sits there not moving just sort of there and then like I don't know how long it is it's probably 10 seconds or something like that but like a film 10 seconds of just nobody moving is is a really effective long feel uh you know uh, in in a film and And then he just casually gets up, makes himself a drink. You know, like there's just so many elements to the behavior or uh, that that the characters have been directed to sort of portray that just adds up to so much like eeriness. It's it's just it's so hyper effective to make us go, oh, my God. Yeah. And then just put it in. um really broad or universal terms uh, like a way you can describe a movie doing something well or like a moment working is when it is doing the thing that makes perfect sense for the context it seems like the natural um, answer to whatever should happen yet is one we didn't necessarily see coming or came as a surprise right so the another moment that just really got me to sit up. It was subtle, but just just you know described could describe it exactly how I just did. It was when we have the friend Molly going to investigate Steve's mm. actual alter ego, and she meets his wife, and she has the brilliant idea, which is you know the thing that I didn't have the idea, but I should have had if I was with her in that moment is to call her phone. Yep. And just that moment when it rings in his pocket is <laughs> so delicious. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's the other thing is that maybe what we're dancing around a lot here is how masterful the actual writing is. The directing is, is incredible too. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not taking away from any of that, but like so much of what we're talking about comes from the fact that it's, it's so incredibly well-written and like, I always knew I was watching a movie, but like, this is one of those movies where I'm like, this is so real. Like it feels like I'm in it. Yeah. And I think that part of the reason for that obviously is the writing, but what about the writing makes us feel that way? And it's that every single aspect of this is somehow relatable through the eyes of the people who are being victimized. Even the, the, the wife, we, we, we get it, you know? And I just felt, I mean, even him, like we, we even get him as much as he's horrible. And we're like, Oh, this guy's the worst. Right. He's addicted to heroin. We get it. Right. And so there's a logic that exists in the movie that I think is so precise. Not at no point did I think to myself, no, come on at no point. <laughs> right. Right. And that's, that's like not that common, <laughs> which is so key just for being in it in those moments when it's like we it that's key to get um, visceral reactions out of us. You know, we need to be yeah. under those hands in order to then have the sort of horror moments we want to have a sort of gut reaction to an emotional reaction to work whether it's how the imagery of the meat makes us feel or like Tim. I found myself, I felt like having a very Tim reaction in this movie <laughs> where, you know, it's not too often I like get like really caught up in a movie and I'm saying something to it. Or like when we were talking about our last episode, uh, I saw the devil, how it's rare for me to get on board to a point where like I'm empathizing so hard with the victim that I'm actually like cheering for that violence yeah. and revenge catharsis form but it was all just i was just on board so well that like right before it happened <laughs> I, I i said to myself just bite his dick off <laughs> i did too i yeah. literally did the same thing out loud i was like oh man she better just chomp down on his dick right now and she did like a fraction of a second later yeah and brit and i were like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was right there with you too. It's just amazing, right? But like maybe part of what's this is a hard thing to do and I I really am excited when writers and directors are able to do this, but to to write in such a way. I mean, it is the directing too, but to to create the story in such a way that we're we're right there. We're like fractions of a second ahead mo with a lot of these moments. But to play that game in the filmmaking of like, there are times when we shift to fractions of a second behind and we have to just, we're like, oh, they like, they get us where they, we, they, they, something happens where we go, oh, damn, I, yep, of course. And it's just, a, just fractions of, after it's happened and like the reverse is true right like when molly gets um actually kidnapped by him 
we all kind of were going, we're going, oh, get out of there. But you, you know, it's, you're like, it's probably, she's probably not going to get out of there. And then like when he's operating on her, we almost know immediately because they've, they've teased these just little moments, this like shot of, I think it's, uh, of Steve just glancing at her breasts. Or maybe it was the dude that she the 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 bartender did it earlier in the movie like there's they, they they give us these little morsels to beforehand to set things up that are just so brilliant to get us our brains are working in real time just to to catch up with the moment they give us little what beforehand a uh, little tiny morsels you know, so it just to me that's the brilliance of good writing. Like that type of stuff is so exciting because, I mean, I felt this way about Jordan Peele's stuff. It, it everything has purpose and meaning. Everything. There's no throwaway. Everything is so. Uh, what's the word? Like diligently, like focused on, and I. I I think that's what's so cool about good filmmaking. It, the scope of that to me is like, oh my god! Like nothing was a mis- like overlooked. Everything was was precise. And I guess there are examples of that when it it doesn't work. But like in my mind, the majority of the films that I like absolutely love are by filmmakers who are known to be that kind of level of meticulous. Well, that brings up, I guess, just an interesting point on, you know, there's the term in filmmaking mise-en-scene, which is any element that appears not just in screen, but can be uh, any element used, you know, music, sound, whatever, whatever. So I don't just to to clarify how just all the ways that can look, because what comes to mind when you say that is, yeah, it's, all the pictures that are hanging in the wall and how they're lit, yada, yada, yada. Everything's meticulous in that sense. But then, you know, the contrarian in me or maybe the always hungry film student in me needs to look at things in nuanced ways. Like, yeah, but what about like Trouble Every Day that we watched, let's say, or some film that's, you know, reliant on a sort of uber realism in order to get Mm -hmm. something across where maybe if we're just talking about objects in the frame of the shot... It's um, it's not like oh that that means something necessarily, you know. That in itself is actually getting across a sense of realism. So is doing something. Right. So just saying, right. just to clarify what you're talking about, what can feel like an exception to the rule is just also uh, uh, an execution of the rule. Actually, anyway, just yeah. side note. yeah no it's true though but i i just i think i just appreciate when you when you are inside of a movie that you just feel like they they're cradling me so gently and and well and i'm like yeah man i can just like experience this (laughs) yeah which is always fun to say for something so horrific a story so horrific oh man but it's so cathartic too i mean the the ending feels so good the fact that that noah is able to um um get what was her name penny the one of the other victims out as well as molly and like 
the second we like see Penny and we go, oh no, like this is going to be problematic. She's she doesn't have a leg. It just adds to the excitement and the challenge and the like, you know, the 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 escape itself becomes more of a of a like wild ride. Absolutely, because they have. Yeah, they have all these these new obstacles, and and you you're rooting for them. You want to see them get out, and the even even the 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 nature of the fight is super exciting, right? Like you <laughs> using the meat tenderizer as a weapon, obviously, <laughs> yeah. Like, hell yes. <laughs> Obviously. Penny, like, crawling on the floor and stabbing him in his leg, probably, the you know, to just uh, get you back for cutting her leg off. You know, stuff like that. Just everything feels so good and right and, like, I love every aspect yeah, of it. Yeah, there was no other place that that ending should have been taken place other than a kitchen, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like all of that is just so exciting to me. So um and even the the suspense and the and the no, don't do that like moments are great because that's what we want in this movie. Right. Right? Like the dude showing up and hearing a gunshot being like, "Oh hell no, I'm out of here." It's because there was plenty at stake. Oh, how dare you. <laughs> are you have anything else for what worked? <laughs> No, um, so all of that is to say, like, I could I could pick apart moment to moment, like, this whole movie. So just go see it, you know? It's a funny way to put it. Go see it. You can go stream it on your Hulu. That's right. <laughs> all right. Then I think with that, we can move on to our next section here. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. Why don't you go ahead? I need to collect my thoughts because I got so hyped about what worked that I'm now I don't remember what didn't work. All right. Well, I can throw us to the other side of the spectrum. Again, totally subjective point of view. And we're looking at this from an educational standpoint. And really, what is this? But just kind of a way to say, well, if I had done it. Um, (laughs) but also actually that can look like sometimes, well, I don't know what I wanted, but not that. But in this Mm -hmm. case, I do have like a clear, (laughs) if I was carving this to my ideal version of this film, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) sorry. Um, yeah, actually transitions from what we were just saying about the ending, I agree. I loved it set up with the three women who are physically now disabled fighting back against the dude, our bad guy here. In the kitchen with kitchen knives, meat cleavers, yada yada. It lost me when it turned into sort of like a more, I don't know, just kind of... um just kind of like whatever just seems like a kind of plain Jane, just kind of like back and forth chase where they're just, they're out there hiding by the tree. They're out in the forest for Mm -hmm. some reason. They're out hiding around the house. I thought that was such a good end set piece. That was, you know, the beginning of the fight 
we even had a little bit of that like oh they just knocked him out but didn't finish him off that did take me out of it in that horror movie sense a little bit i thought they should have just milked that for all it with that one's a bit of stretch for all that was (laughs) worth um where i wanted that to straight up be the end set piece imagine Mm. if you will where that scene had continued which is just one of those things that's like it's 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 just so hard to shoot, but it, when you are able to do it, it just works so well of keeping track of the continuity of having this orgy actually would be a great word for it and sort of a play on even more themes of this now reverse reversal orgy happening in a way of these women on the, this dude. If And it's sort of also playing off of the idea of, you know, he no matter what, let's say imagine if he just couldn't help but he keeps fighting back like they keep knocking him out slicing him up and he keeps fighting it back i just imagined this like beautiful grotesque extended reverse bloody orgy where they end up basically dismembering him to death and beating him to death letting us see a physical transformation of him being turned into meat before our eyes because he just keeps getting up and trying to fight back or whatever you know he just doesn't die in a certain sense um so yeah it would have been like a a a big i don't know a stylistic departure but it's definitely would have been It's not as far as experimental, but I feel like you need that sort of that little risk factor of trying to do something more than whatever was happening here. That just kind of felt like it ended ending to me. I I get what you're saying. I think that I would argue without knowing the intention of the filmmakers, but I my my gut reaction to that is that that ending is more of a masculine viewpoint retribution revenge sort of like comeuppance ending and what we got and and I'm that's not a value judgment on that I'm just that's that's my take what we got felt more feminine uh centric in that we are experiencing these three women at this moment of, you know, it's, it's desperation in a way. And they are the three of them coming together in a, in a non-negative way, in a non-retribution way. They're, they're surviving and they're surviving together. But that's literally what I was just pitching where I wanted to all be in a not revenge retribution based way, even where it is because he just keeps coming at them and doesn't die. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that these filmmakers could, could have done that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a part of me that feels like I like the trope of going of where we went with it and getting to leave the house and be in nature. It just felt I felt cool with all of that. It felt good to me. So, yeah, I get I get where you're coming from. I think that could be a cool alternate version 
but I was very cool with the way it went. Uh, this was something I actually had for things to know I thought was interesting, but screenwriter Lauren Kahn, a fan of the horror genre growing up, said she wanted to write a film that would appeal to people who were horror fans and people who were not. So I think in my um, subjective taste here, like I wanted more of the horror, you know, pushing that hard, which I could see like that kind of ending I I pitched like almost would cross a line for people, you know, in a sort of... I think it would not... I think it would be prohibitive. Which... I think that, pe- like, the studio may not have right. been willing to, to make but that. But for movie. me, it's like, it's a horror movie, and we have all these yeah. themes and ideas built in, so it felt more like a just, you aren't pushing it where it wants to be. Like, you had... I loved, loved, loved the first two-thirds. Like, the, mo- the majority of the movie. It was just the ending that just didn't... Mm-hmm give me that final punch. Um, but and also where I can see that maybe, you know, was coming up against my ideal version. If And I'm not saying this is where it came from. It's just a theory that it was, you know, just a sort of intentional balancing act between trying to appeal to horror and non-horror fans alike. But like when you said uh, earlier in the summary, what's sort of the last stage of how hmm. these people would be in before finally being, you know, their life being ended it would be, yeah, a, a blind, tongueless, buttless torso. And right. I think I wanted to see that or at least acknowledge that that is the horror of where this is being taken to. And kind of like what yeah. I said in I Saw the Devil, it almost feels like, like, sure, you don't need it to tell this story. And that can just be like, oh, I get it just fine. Don't show it to me. I don't need that. But for me, it does just feel more like, that that acknowledgement just feels more like emotionally honest to like the weight of the situation in a way. Like things are this horrible, actually. We are acknowledging that. I think it'd be a really hard thing to pull off because specifically it would belie the nature of the three women's character. E- even if he's sort of the person, you know, like forcing it in some way or another you know like his actions are kind of like forcing their hand i still think it would feel it it, it would feel false to who they are yeah i get what you're saying as far as just like it just it's just not the vibe you want to put out to like have the women take something that far yeah it's tricky i mean it's a fine line i i i would be curious to see these filmmakers do that because i get you know and see how they handle it to argue also i mean just uh, to also argue against what i was just saying you know to just (laughs) not put a a woman you know who's just in that torso form i described just don't like just don't put that out there you know don't need it so i I do get that too but whatever yeah i'm a dude horror on the flip side we live in a society that has unfortunately on many occasions had to uh grapple with the fact that men have dismembered women's bodies a lot and torsos uh, are a thing that get found women's torsos get found so maybe you could make an argument that that's how it should go how how this movie should end is is to flip that and be like here's here's the one time where that person gets that, you know, the the bad guy uh, gets those just 
desserts. <laughs> he did it too. Great. Uh, so this kind of, you know, I don't know. It was really all these just sort of pauses or quibbles were just in this last third for me. The last one and this one is maybe more on the level of like, I would just need to see it again to let it mm. settle in my stomach a little longer. But it would be the end ending the the her getting that uh the message <laughs> where i guess it was the guy i think i read you know from the chad. way big, yeah it was chad um where he says you know you up or can we get together whatever he says but at that point it just felt like so foreign and disconnected for me like that's why i was kind of asking in the first chunk like how are these threads of cannibalism Mm -hmm. and modern dating sort of tied together for you. Because something about that ending, and maybe again, just like first time viewing my own, you know, naivete or whatever, but it just didn't have that sort of like, oh, catharsis impact where it like all clicked for me. It just felt like, oh yeah, this was a movie that started with uh, a a blind date um, versus, I don't know, just, yeah, all the themes didn't sort of, come together for me with that final final tag in a way that uh i would have hoped and um so it just lost me those sort of two themes being intertwined by the end well i would say that for me and for brit sitting next to me and maybe me responding to her and and other women that it felt correct because of the things i've absorbed from them of of their experience with men that it actually felt right on right on like it worked exactly the way it, it works is is that this is such a universal experience of <laughs> of these things that like the do the 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 chads of the world will always text you at that exact like most absurd moment yeah that's great no i can tell so it's a female i think it's a it's a woman experience kind of note right that we that you and i we can try to uh we can try to relate to but we can't actually ever really in in inherently know yeah and thanks for talking through it with me here because i feel like yeah now i i totally get where it's an observed thing for me to relate to or to not relate to like what sort of the premise of the the whole premise of this movie is like, what right. if this dude I'm, you know, agreeing to go out with is actually what's the worst, what's the worst what if I can imagine. That's literally like, that was the inspiration yeah. for this film. So, um, and it's it never does, ending. Yeah. So, but that, that is what the last sort of moment is doing. It's like, this is, <laughs> these were her concerns from the get-go, and this is where it all started, maybe, and she turned out not being crazy after all. So I get how that works um, and why I may have not gotten it on that first viewing. Yeah, and I think a big, a big why, uh, why you do that in this movie is to remind us all um, that, you know, after you kill the killer and you get away, um, the rest of the world doesn't care. They keep doing what they're doing. Misogyny keeps tr- just trucking along, right? Like douchebag guys just keep doing what they do. Well, how many, right? yeah, so, how many, I mean, great endings are there with its horror, or just sort of these good versus evil stories 
where they always end on the battle may have been won, but the war is long from over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I'm just, you know, I don't really have anything to say of what didn't work. I hate to, I hate to just make something up. So whatever. <laughs> then we could move on to our next section. <laughs> things of note. Things of note. <laughs> this should be interesting. I have a correction. I said Fox Searchlight. It's no longer that. It's Searchlight Pictures. Got it. Well, I can't speak from uh, the perspective of a woman in today's dating age, but I can, (laughs) as I already set up, speak to the perspective of someone who's chosen uh, not to eat meat. And so I saw a super interesting reading about on the Wikipedia here, this uh, the premiere of this film, which was done in Hollywood. They said that they, uh, yeah, it was at the Inside Hollywood Legion Post 43 on Highland Avenue. This is from uh, Hollywood Reporter. But just on Wikipedia, it said it had the little fun tidbit that was, oh, but the uh, reception was specifically held before because they thought people, you know, wouldn't have the appetite after this movie. Rightly so, (laughs) right? So I immediately thought it did not say in the Wikipedia article. I'm like, well, was it a vegan friendly meal or not? What were they serving? Because that's all that would really that's the that's the (laughs) important detail here, guys. Um, So luckily, there's this whole Hollywood Reporter article on it that breaks down the premiere. I was able to find they played up. I mean, the the meat side of things. They had like a full on, you can see a picture of here. They had like a charcuterie board with meat and cheese and a bunch of <laughs> cleavers <laughs> hanging behind it. And it said it's like fresh up in the middle. It's kind of this like, oh, this man. like, this pink meat colored wall. And it's got, we didn't even talk about how the satan- Satanism uh, references. Oh, that was the thing that didn't work for me. I forgot about it. Oh, okay. That was it. Well, I was like, why, why you gotta bring Satan into this? <laughs> it's, it's, I think it, it works under the context of like something about we get in, um, in almost just, uh, iconographic or just sort of baseline what it represents may not actually be as it's just all about personal pleasure. And I think that's just mm-hmm. like, all works okay. with it but um yeah. yeah they have that logo from the film of like the cow the satan cow's head in the middle behind the charcuterie table but uh, you know i just can't help but think well i'm like well guys like you could have had it have been a vegan friendly meal after <laughs> the words and it would have actually kind of like <laughs> i don't know it was just really fascinating to me that you you kind of doubled down on where people are mm-hmm. at almost but at the same time, yet you're acknowledging not the hypocrisy, but just kind of that whatever that disconnect by having it be a full meat spread, allowing people to be tongue in cheek, you know, about it you. versus uh, actually confronting <laughs> it as deeply as this film does. You know, it's like they have I, faith in their movie to do the job, but so yeah. well that they, uh, <laughs> I don't know, you know what I'm saying? It's interesting. I I mean, I think it's, it's a, hmm, that's a, that's a tough one to, from a, how much do you want to alienate people or like how, cause like, oh man, how do I put this? 
I'm of two minds. I think I I get why you you know you it's 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 pretty punk rock to put a a, a big meat spread out before a cannibal movie, right? And so I dig that. Like I dig that that concept. But on the flip side, well, it's not even the flip side. Another argument against going full vegan, which I don't necessarily agree with, but I think is is probable is that there are there are uh there are voices in in the in the powers that be that would say don't politicize this in your premiere don't don't tempt losing the losing the momentum of what the film is is a, is bringing by making it about veganism and I, I, you hear that kind of argument a lot. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that way of looking at things, because if you want to say something, say it. Uh, but so often you have voices saying, "Don't do, don't do that." Like you, you, it, it'll be too much for people to handle. Right. Well, it's interesting. Um, that's conjecture, by the way. I have no idea if that conversation existed. <laughs> Well, we can kind of get clues from, it's nice, this article didn't say anything about the director I didn't see, but the writer, Khan, did um, did not have any of the spread because she gave up red meat specifically years ago. So, you know, not full mm. vegetarian, it sounds like, sure. but she said it was because of her husband's pet pig. She doesn't eat, I guess, uh, beef and pork. But uh, it feels like, yeah, it's on that level of maybe it's, if where the filmmakers are at is that. I don't want to say in between because I look at it as pretty, you know, one or the other, but at least transitional. I don't know, whatever you call it. She's someone who at least has taken that leap with, you know, not wanting to eat pigs. So, yeah, I can see, you know, we're all in the various stages of this process. Right. But it's it's so funny. And to say that, too, like you described it as punk to have a meat spread up there. When for me, it's like, that's the opposite of punk. What would have been punk is to like have the full non-meat spread there and be that confrontational about it, you know? Sure. Or like you have in both options, this or that uh, at the reception after it. You give people the like, (laughs) the choice right then and there. (laughs) Like that's- You've got one table that's just like gluttonous red meat everywhere and one table that's the like the vegan table and be like you choose guys. yeah see that's Go for it. that's punk to me you know <laughs> that'd be cool um and i see you know since i'm in the world i see plenty of like the sort of punk vegan uh i don't know a crossover uh mm-hmm. whatever's branding and organizations anyway uh the only other thing i had for things of note that was just kind of more fun stuff in both tracking like where horror movies are at or just where movies are at and, you know, from the lens of having more, not just women filmmakers at the helm, but just a world that's <laughs> making attempts to be more aware at uh, long-running tropes and stereotypes of, you know, how women and men are both portrayed in films, of, like, you know, the idea of the male hero coming up to, you know, save the day at the end. There is an interesting mm-hmm. play on that in the mm-hmm. movie where we did have who could have been that character, but as soon as he hears screams from coming, you know, from inside outside the house, he books it, says, uh-uh, I know how this ends. <laughs> I know how this movie ends. I'm not getting into it. So just fun, you know, to sort of see that handled in a way where 
no, he didn't come save the day, but it was still realistic and didn't didn't feel mired or trapped by any sort of what I'd hope are now long outdated uh, tropes or ideas. But then also just too, just how it, and it sort of plays out these these ideas of dating too, where I just like these little touches that were, if you remember, you know, Sebastian Stan, he's doing all the things, asking for a number or whatever, whatever, but it's really Noah who initiates, I think, their first makeout sesh, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we also, I liked, uh, we have Molly being the one, you know, the bartender, the, the friend who it's set up like he's her ex. She she gives some kind of suggestion about like, oh, help me with this. And, you know, maybe then after that, you could come over or something like that. So just, I don't know, I like, I like that just <laughs> we're it's continuing to mix things up from these log outstanding uh tropes that just feel like they hit a pinnacle in the 80s 90s 2000s yeah definitely um i don't have anything else do you have anything else that's it i mean i have more things that i could say that worked but whatever all right well then i think that's it for fresh we can wind down with some recommendations here what do you have yeah, maybe I've done this before. I can't find it, though, on our list. So I'm going to recommend Dead Bad Batch. No, there it is. I found it. Damn it. I have recommended it. Why don't you go and I'll think of something? All right. I, uh, it's been on my mind to revisit it for a while, both in just, um, just wanting to revisit Oliver Stone's movies and I'd like sort of actually become more of a, a fan of the doors in recent years where I'd always liked them, but didn't think I had like fully got them, let's say. Um, so yeah, I revisited from 1991, the, the doors movie and just had a new appreciation for it that I certainly didn't when watching it, you know, the only other time in high school or whatever, where I really, you know, I'm always complaining about biopics that sort of, <laughs> seemed to force this formula really hard and this was just a really cool example and just is just on very much the like psychedelic wavelength of it just kind of like dream grooves along and like there is conflict between the characters but it's not punched up in that kind of you know plot point way at all and just plus of course Val Kilmer's performance and is perfect and Scott's just that fun you know, LA of that era setting that I just love so, so much. Yeah, it was cool. I was, I was really, really into it this time around. It felt like a movie that felt like their music to me. So, and that's, I think when you're making a biopic is exactly what you want to do. You want to have it be an extension of the music itself, a filmic extension. So I think it did that through and through. I was really impressed. Yeah. With the doors. So I recently watched, starfish do you know about this movie never heard of it oh i kept it kept you popping up so i watched it and it's pretty cool i i would i would check it out it's it's fun it's got kind of this monstery apocalypse sort of like what what's happened to the world thing going on it also has like it's got like a problem to solve. Like it's not a mystery, but it's almost like a puzzle to solve kind of component that I really like. Um, and it's, you know, it's again, one of these like indie horror kind of like, seems like it was probably shot on a very low budget and, and they just made it work. 
which I love. Like, you know, the the just the the go get them attitude of filmmaking. Um, so it's it's worth it. It's a cool one. Is it Check horror? It it's horror. It's definitely horror. Cool. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. Cool. For next week, we're going to find out how horror this selection is when we, that's right, go to see it. But uh, one of us among us, if you don't know who, I won't tell you who, is a really big Marvel <laughs> movies and TV show and comic books fan. So we are going to, in honor of that and the director of this film, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, we're going to go see that. The sequel to the original Doctor Strange. Now, Sam Raimi of You Know Who He Is fame, uh, he said that this film, Evil Dead 2 fans will be happy. There's maybe a little, some some kind of rumbling, rumblings that it's a little more in the horror direction, I guess, which yeah. I thought that's what Morbius was supposed to be, their take <laughs> well. on Uh but anyway, different studios for for Morbius, so we may we, we, we can have that conversation. We may be stretching how we define horror for this next one, but uh, but we'll find out, and we won't know until we do. But either way, I'm, I'm really happy for um, Tim. I just outed who it was among us, but <gasps> <laughs> but for Tim to be able to share his love and knowledge, this is a uh, this is his podcast. Why not uh, take advantage of that and have fun with that? And we may not get a chance to do that closer. So yeah, I think of of all the yeah, this seems like the the one opportunity that we we can get away with calling a Marvel movie, a horror movie. So, (laughs) so we're doing it. Great. All right. Well, Hey, if you're still here, thanks so much for being here. So in closing, stay fresh, everyone. Thanks for listening. (laughs) And we'll, we'll sear you next time. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) 